is episode 152 with Wade Lightheart. G'day legends and welcome to Your Life of Impact, where we connect with world-class athletes and coaches, health experts and enthusiasts, inspiring entrepreneurs and community leaders, all to teach you how to tap into your inner excellence. I'm your host, Brett Robbo, and I'm extremely grateful you're joining us today on Your Impactful Journey. Legends, welcome back. You guys know how passionate I am about health and well-being, looking at our human experience holistically and making informed decisions that align with us having the best experience that we can have in this life. And that's why I'm pumped to bring Wade Lightheart onto the show. Wade is an author, athlete, nutritionist, and expert on fixing digestion. He's a three-time Canadian national all-natural bodybuilding champion who competed as a vegetarian. He's a former Mr. Universe competitor, host of the Awesome Health podcast, and one of the world's premier authorities on natural nutrition and training methods. Having majored in sports science at the University of New Brunswick, he has authored numerous books on health, nutrition, and exercise, which have sold in over 80 countries. Wade also serves as an advisor to the American Anti-Cancer Institute and is the co-founder and president at Bioptimizers, which is a digestive and health optimization company. He's been in the health industry for over 25 years, coached thousands of clients, and is sought out by athletes and high-performance-oriented individuals worldwide for his advice on how to optimize their health and fitness levels. Few that are alive these days have traveled farther or crusaded harder on behalf of helping individuals transform their digestive health, wellness, and overall lives than Wade. After competing in Mr. Universe and his health failing him following a competition victory, Wade began to search for answers. And in this process, that's when he learned so much about what makes digestion work along with other principles that form what he calls the awesome health system. Awesome is an acronym that he's created that you'll hear him break down early in this chat. So I start off this interview asking Wade what it means to be a biohacker because I know that he is in that world and it's a term, biohacker is a term that's thrown around a lot these days, but it's never really sat well with me that term and I was stoked to hear Wade explain why his philosophy is more around biology optimization as opposed to biology hacking. Now, there's tons of value in this episode, especially in the second half when we dive deep into how to truly optimize your digestion, your energy levels, reverse aging, and really enhance your overall experience of life. And at the end, right at the end of the show, Wade throws out a discount for you listeners for his awesome products. So stay tuned to hear about that and also check out the discount code in the show notes to this episode. And in those show notes, you'll also find the links to his company, which is bioptimizers.com and that's with a Z 
in optimizers, not an S. So buyoptimizers.com, check out all the info there. We'll talk about it in this episode. You'll find all the information in the show notes. (sighs) Okay, now let's hear from the legend himself, Wade T. Lightheart. Wade, I really want to hear from you. What does it mean to be a biohacker? Because I know you're an expert in natural nutrition. And some of us, when we hear the word hacking, it's kind of got this... um, like a, a negative connotation or like we're doing something Absolutely. wrong. So is it about cheating the system? Is it about enhancing the system? What is biohacking? Funny you should say that because I feel very similar to you on the terminology of biohacking. And it's actually, that's where the etymology of Bioptimizers came, the company that Matt and I founded. So biohacking was a term uh, largely uh, coined, I think, and I'm I'm not sure exactly who started it, but it certainly was promoted extensively by Dave Asprey, the founder of Bulletproof, who had his, earned his chops in Silicon Valley. And for him, he looked at his his own biology, which is struggling at the time. He was overweight and a tech guy and you just stressed out and burned out and all that sort of things that happens in executive function. And he says, okay, I don't like exercise. I don't like diets. I don't like these things. How do I look at the biology and find ways to hack the system to hack? So it was a way of him to kind of apply a mentalization into what how, what, how do I get inside the system and write programs that make the body work right? So very much from a tech perspective. Now, it's a very sexy term and it caught on and, you know, kudos to Dave and his company for kind of creating an industry. However, I would say, and no disrespect to Dave, but Matt and I, who had our foundations in exercise physiology and nutrition and kinesiology, We felt that bodybuilding was actually the original biohackers and quote unquote, a biohacker is someone who is willing to do experimentations um, with nutrition, uh, supplements, training methodologies, uh, lifestyle methodologies to impact the biological system. And bodybuilders were notorious about this for decades and you know, Tim Ferriss caught on to it and started describing that in his four hour body and, and, and Dave went on to it and then biohacking started to kind of go, but I felt the same way. I felt that hacking and coming from the bodybuilding career, I mean, there, no doubt there was plenty of bo- uh, bodybuilders who have been able to hack their genetics and overcome genetic limitations, largely to the proliferate use of steroids and, 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 a, and a host of pharmacopoeia that goes way beyond that and and has unintended consequences oftentimes. So you get the short-term result and then could have some negative consequences. And that's how I always felt with hacking. Hacking wasn't actually working within the system to optimize it. It was just, let's get the result, let's do this and we'll deal with the consequences after. And so sometimes I feel that's a little bit short-sighted because anything that you can't do or integrate for the long-term often potentially has negative consequences. And so we called our company bio-optimizers because we felt as how do we, how do we categorize the components that would optimize function in the body? And I created a system called the awesome health system. And in the awesome health system, 
It has seven basic pillars, air, water, exercise. Those are the non-negotiables. Then I choose to see um, what we intake into our body as sunlight, since every, we live in a solar system and everything is condensed light. And so light has frequency and vibration. It's a particle, it's a wave. And we could say a lot about that in our own bodies, in our own summits. I'm, I'm, I'm actually more prone to physics myself than chemistry. Chemistry is the expression of biology that people go to. But if you really get deep, I think you can get into the physics and that would explain a far greater range. I think chemistry is just one narrow band of what happens inside the body. And then we went to optimizers. I looked at, there was so much confusing information when it comes to nutrition and hacking and optimization and performance and aesthetics and health and all these sort of things. So I went, okay, well, what is the one single common unit that we have with all the different organisms in the cell that is, you know, concordant? And that is the cell, the single cell. So I said, if we can get, if we can discover and find the principles that optimize cellular function, we should be able to enhance virtually any or all of the systems and organs inside the system of the human body. And so I discovered enzymes, probiotics, minerals, vitamins, essential amino acids, essential fatty acids, and herbs really are the categories within optimizers. And then there's tech that goes on top of that. So that, that's, that's inter, that, but tech is going to probably interact with the sunlight thing. It's going to be a, a physics issue. It's either temperature, it's light, it's frequency, it's sound, it's some other modality that may have biochemical implications even their food that we eat, but essentially you can break that down to physics. So you're dealing more with electron covalent transfer and frequencies of vibes, all that stuff. And then on the other side, I looked at mental beliefs and attitudes because our minds are so powerful. You could put it at the front of awesome. It was the acronym I used, but then the, we'd have a, you know, the acronym wouldn't work. So often, but mental beliefs and attitudes were an aspect. You could have the best training, the best diet, the best supplements, the best coaching, all that sort of stuff. If you got a lousy attitude, you're going nowhere. If you're in, and if your undercurrent beliefs or your attitudes result in that, then you have a bad problem. Con conversely, if you have a great mental belief and attitude, uh, it, it, sometimes even the, the worst programs will yield positive results. So we, you, can't under, you can't underestimate mindset as an influence, and that's why they have double-blind studies. And, of course, that was the argument between Einstein and Max Planck uh, back in the physics conference that happened in Copenhagen, you know, just 20 or 30 years after the turn of the century, where Einstein famously said, God does not play dice. And he wanted a completely mechanistic universe that had independent of humans. And Planck said that's not possible because of the quantum effect that we know the act of observing an, an aspect changes its outcome. So it's proof that our beliefs and attitudes. And then finally, well, how do you sort all this stuff out? You know, and there's three areas that allows you to do this. And these are the foundations of biohacking, incidentally, not for biological optimization. Education. So education, if you look at its root, is to learn from within. It's, it comes from the Greek word educe. And to learn from within is to observe what happens when you subject your physical body or your mental state or your spiritual state to stimuli. 
external or an internal symbol. And, and, and you learn. This is the process of all learning is that foundation. But in order to learn, you need to run testing. And testing could be as simple as, hey, I'm so out of shape, I can't walk a mile. And I'm going to start practicing walking and see that I progress until after a period of time I can walk a mile. Or it could be as sophisticated as an MRI, uh, a nutritional uh, blood test. It could be a hormone test. It could be all these different things that biohackers use as in indicators to whatever modality they're attempting to do to optimize their performance or get the result they want, that they've got something to measure. Because if you can't measure it, it's the foundation of scientific experimentation is if you can measure it, you can see if you're producing a tangible result. And then the final piece of that is coaching. And coaching comes into is usually in order to really do this, you need somebody who has some influence and understanding of the field that you're going into that you can set up the most effective and most appropriate tests based on what you're going to do and can help you manage your mindset during the inevitable difficult phases, the failed experiments, uh, and also to optimize the things that are working. And so that became the foundation of the, the optimization philosophy that was born out of biohacking and its limits and perspective because I just, I didn't want people, I mean, for example, I'll give you a, a simple example. People, well, how do you want to lose weight? Well, uh, you know, a great way to lose weight is to get on uh, crystal meth. You will lose a ton of weight on crystal meth. That's a very effective biohacking for losing 30 or 40 pounds very rapidly. The consequences of that are something that you probably don't want to do. It's going to destroy your life, your hormones, your teeth, and maybe kill you. Um, not to mention subject you to poverty, uh, death, and, and, and crime. So, that's probably a hack that you want to go. So you, you, if you were just going with pure hacks, there's probably no faster way to learn, to learn that, right? But could you optimize that by adding the right elements of exercise, diet, nutrition, and maybe some things that would accelerate metabolism? Um, that to me is optimization, and that's the differentiation between the two. So you're saying that with bio-optimizers and what you guys have created, that you're instead of hacking the system and hacking our biology, you're actually working out ways to optimize it so there isn't the long-term or even the short-term consequences with whether it's supplementation or the exercise or the light therapy or the stimulation therapy, anything that you might be using. Exactly. So I would say hacking would be a short-term and optimization would be something that you can integrate over the long term. So for us, if you can incorporate it into a routine, oftentimes it's probably not that it's, its impact is going to be limited in its effect overall in your life. And I've seen that over and over. I mean, we were both personal trainers and coaches and nutritionists for over 15,000 clients, Matt and I, and we saw the consequences of short-term hack mentality. Now that doesn't mean I don't consider myself a biohacker. I do. I do a lot of experiments. A lot of those experiments are absolute failures, uh, but I enjoy the process and I enjoy thinking about it. And I think it's okay to use either term concordantly, but we, we ultimately, ultimately want people to be optimizing. Brilliant. I love it. I love that term of optimizing too, because it does have that, that connotation of the long term. And I always talk to people about 
you know, quality of life and aging gracefully and, and we're in it for the long run, I say I'm living till I'm 110 and I'll be running when I'm 110. So the choices that I'm making now are about enjoying every day until then. It's not like I'm saying I won't do crazy things now because I want to be running when I'm 110. It's, it's saying, no, I'm making wise decisions in alignment with optimizing my life and the human experience so I can enjoy every day all the way through till then. What's yeah, your... What made you get into this? What's your background? You mentioned bodybuilding. I know that you were a champion bodybuilder. Have you had the experiences of failure through trialing different things back then that made you want to optimize? What made you really dive deep into this to where you're at now? Well, the whole process of bodybuilding, I would say that there's two categories of bodybuilding. And I learned the differentiation between those two after I competed at the Mr. Universe contest. So bodybuilding in its traditional form, as most people would think of it, was building a body that met the requirements of uh, bodybuilding standards, which so you're judged on the size, shape, uh, definition, separation, and symmetry of the muscles that you build. So in other words, you're trying to create the, the ultimate artistic externalized expression, you know, as you know, something Da Vinci would carve out or something like that, or Hercules or these type of, you know, sculptures that the world has been left with of, of what I would say many ancient men. If you look at some of those some of those sculptures from ancient Greece and Rome, these huge hulking godlike characters, well, the proportions are so, organized with human proportions they obviously had physical models that's how much the human body has deteriorated over these i mean the average spartan carried 220 pounds of weapons and gear into battle and fought to the death so think about that i mean how i mean 220 pounds is a decent squat you know and and, and fighting with swords and shields and shin pads and breast armor and all this sort of stuff and hacking at each other and you know all the conditions of war that it was just another day in paradise you know so what i looked at that was the external side of building a muscu muscular aesthetic attractive physique and i spent um literally it was 16 years to get to the Mr. Universe from the time I started to when I stopped. And that's training every, every, virtually every day, every week, year after year, day after day, and learning through experimentation of training and diet what we could do to, with my body. In 2003, after the universe, I gained 42 pounds of fat and water in 11 weeks. So I went from Mr. Universe to Mr. Marshmallow. And why that was important was for two years preparing for that show, I was on a contest diet for a total of about 16 months out of those two years. So it was about six months to win my first couple of titles. I went another year and then I was on a diet for about 11 months, just the way the nature of that. Now, when you get to bodybuilding as a performance sport, like all performance sports, it's, there's a difference between performance and health. Mm -hmm. So, any athlete who's pushing the limit has a high level of physical fitness, but they may be compromising their health to meet their performance goals. In this case, there is an aesthetic goal. Most people are attracted to fitness because they want to look good. And that's usually to be sexually attractive to the other parties and to feel good about oneself and have confidence. The 
in, in, in a performance thing, we were taking hyper aesthetics in this, in this particular case. But the choices that I made at that time compromised my health. The extended period of dieting, the single digit body fat levels for under six months at a time I had to hold contest condition had negative consequences. And I led to all this weight gain, the dysfunction, had joint pain, I had brain fog, all this sort of stuff. And I remember it was an epiph- like it was just like a crossroads. I was like, God, I've got the best coach in the world. I've got Spartan discipline. I've got thousands of people who are following me and, you know, hanging on every world is, the, is this is how you achieve this result. And I'm at the pinnacle, the world championships of what the world says is successful in this area. And, and, and I'm a physical disaster 11 weeks after. This is horrible. And I met a doctor who changed my life. His name was Dr. Michael O'Brien. And he was a senior citizen. He had overcome colon cancer and cirrhosis of the liver. And the guy was just the picture of health. He could look right through. He had incredible vitality. He grabbed your hand. I thought you would tear it off. I was like, wow, this guy is everything I want to be as a senior citizen. And I went to him. I said, what, Michael, what, what, what did I do wrong here? I've got all the things you're supposed to, the best coach in the world, the best training, the diet, the discipline. I'm doing everything right. I've been doing it for 16 years and I end up a health disaster. And he said, wait, you've learned to build the body from the outside in. I'm going to teach you how to build the body from the inside out. And under his guidance, I learned about many of the things that we advocate today, the use of enzymes and probiotics and uh, mineralization and the way of uh, getting toxins through and out of the lymphatic system and all these different things that I wasn't uh, conscientiously aware in my body building days. And at that point, Matt and I started a company to optimize bodybuilders. So we started a company that's freaky big naturally and taking people out of drugs and using these technologies that we applied. Because in six months, not only did I get my physique back, I I had a level of health and vitality that I never had as a bodybuilder. And so we created the the what we call the bioptimizer triangle that had aesthetics, performance, and health. And those are the three areas of the triangle that you may work one independently at one time to build one up and ultimately as a holistic cycle. And so um, we started coaching people and then I started applying in my holistic health clinic to regular people suffering from all kinds of conditions. And guess what? The same thing that worked on a high performance athlete worked on someone suffering from a significant disease. And I'm like, wow, this is cool. And so um, about six years ago, because we kind of moved out of the bodybuilding realm, it's always been my background. I love what I've learned there and I continue to lift weights every day. But we really went beyond that and and how do we really optimize people on all levels, aesthetics, performance, and health to rebuild people and from the inside out and then to optimize their, their, their body, their mind, and dare I say their spirit in a unified way so that they could fully express themselves as what it is to be a human on this plane. And it's just an endless field. It's absolutely exciting and it's a lot of fun. And so I get up every day and I don't feel like I work. Um, I get feedback from people all around the world that are telling me the great results they're producing and the conditions that they've overcome and the challenges that they've and, and the life experiences and expansion that they had. And it's just an awesome place to live. I feel so grateful. So oftentimes what I've learned is your biggest failure often lead you to your greatest successes. And, and, and that's why I think we have a culture that's built around reducing risk and not experimenting. And so I've failed. I still failed. I had a major failure 
a few weeks, months ago on a radical dietary program that we did that worked really well for a while, but I overdid it and then it failed. And now I learned and now I'm going to do another version of it. So it's just kind of the fun. What do you mind? What was that? What was the failure? What yeah. Was the experiment? Great question. So I was doing, um, um, during COVID, of course, all the gyms got closed and I went over to Sedona, Arizona, and I had also completed a advanced neurological uh, training at 40 Years of Zen, which is Dave Asprey's. It's an amazing mental uh, optimization course. And it can put you in kind of an altered state for a long period of time. And, and so I decided I would go to the desert during COVID and spend a lot of time walking in the desert. And concordant to that, I said, I'm going to do an experiment on alternate day fasting. In other words, I'll fast, I'll eat for 12 hours on Monday from eight in the morning till eight at night. And then I won't eat until eight in the morning on Wednesday, you know, repeat that cycle. And I won't eat till eight in the morning on Friday. And then I'll have Saturday and Sunday off. And the, the results were great. I got, I was wandering out into the desert and having a great time. Um, I, I did develop some training modalities, probably dropped, it was, I think, 22 pounds. I got really ripped uh, with all the sunshine, the heat and the walking and then some exercise that I developed out on the patio in the sunshine. I did notice though, during the last five or six weeks that the, the results started to slow rather significantly and my desire to walk started to dwindle and dwindle. And I'm like, mm, I think I'm getting to some accumulation. Well, when I got done, I came back to California. The environment was highly stressful here because of all the, uh, I would say, challenges that occurred because of COVID. And so I, my neighborhood, turned into like, looked like the movie set of Baghdad. There's a lot of screaming and yelling and very distressed and um, people with challenges, with mental health and the riots and all the stuff was going, it's not a very pleasant place to be. So I was like, Ugh, I felt this anxiety and stress. Plus my body started to rebound as I didn't reverse diet out of that. So I went from eating only four times a week to eating more than my caloric normal seven days a week under those stressful conditions. So I gained about uh, 20 pounds back relative, like in, in about six weeks. So then I was like, okay, but that was okay because I felt myself, I'm pretty in tune and I felt my metabolism continually kicking back in again till it got to a place where it started to stabilize and I could feel that there's a certain state I feel and hormonal balance. And I was like, okay, great. So now I'm going to go on, I'm doing another experiment with alternate day fasting, but I'm going to do two to three weeks maximum. Then I'll go to regular calories for probably the equivalent time, maybe a little longer. And then I'll do another condensed period and then stop and then do another condensed period. So we're going to run a different experiment and see how it goes. And so I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how it's going to go. Is that uh, biohacking or bio-optimizing? Well, uh, it's a little bit of both. I think the biohack was the, I think the biohack was the original result because it had, uh, it, it's, I hacked what I felt was a good program. I stuck with it too long because I didn't know how to optimize it. So the first round was the hack. The second or third round, because maybe this one's going to fail, will be the optimization. <laughs> Brilliant. So what, yeah. on that then, what's your thoughts on intermittent fasting? So not doing the alternate day fasting, but I've talked about it a little bit on this podcast from your experience of working with thousands of people and yourself. 
what's the have you found an ideal window that sort of works with most people or is everyone so individual what's the best protocols that you've come across yeah i would say you can apply the 80 20 rule Uh, 80 percent of the population is going to respond positively Mm -hmm. and that window and here's the thing i'm going to give i'm going to give a big reveal to people Keep in mind that everything that you see online and on the internet or dietary protocols or advocates or uh, agents against any given philosophy, everybody falls in a bell curve. So if someone applies a keto diet and somebody applies a a plant-based diet and somebody does a raw food diet and somebody does a carnivore diet, and if you take a thousand subjects in each one of those, there's going to be a bell curve in results. 2% of those people are going to recover from disease and illness and become super vital and it's going to be awesome. And those are going to be all the testimonials. 2% of those people are, it's going to be terrible. They're not going to be able to sleep. Their health is going to go down. Their hormones are going to crash. It's going to be a disaster. And that's applicable to almost any dietary practice, almost any system. And then there's a bell curve in between. So you're either on the positive side of that bell curve that is an improvement or you're on the negative side that it was a detriment. So I think that's really, really important for people to look as a caveat. And and we're always looking for causes, but there's essentially trade-offs. You try one thing and that may have some short-term benefits, but it may have some long-term consequences, or it may work for a while, but your body is amazing at accommodating to situations. And so understanding those rhymes and rhythms. So going back to your specific question when it comes to intermittent fasting, almost everyone in the population will benefit from a 12 and 12 fast, 12 hours on, 12 hours of not eating. That's, that's pretty universal. Depending on your genetics and epigenetics and other factors like chemicals, blood sugar stability, state of health, your window can diminish Anywhere as to some people who do a meal a day and do extraordinary, most people are going to fall into that four to eight hour range. So if you're on the high end of the curve, eight hours is going to work really well for you. If you're on the low end of the curve, four hours is going to, and if you're in that extreme zone, maybe one meal a day will work really well for you. All depends on how you do it. But for the most part, at least part of the year, I think people should engage in intermittent fasting. I think it's one of the easiest and fastest ways to rest and recover the digestive system. It's a system that gets beat up um, because of all the contaminants, all the chemicals, uh, the the food that we eat, and and it's genetic. Like all the things that we're doing is we, we, we just don't understand. People don't, don't understand that it's a single canal from your mouth to your butt. And the reality is the food's in there, but that doesn't mean that it's been converted to energy units or it's been converted to building blocks, which is the goal of all nutrition. We just assume that happens. But the reality is we have 12% of the population going, uh, the emergency hospital visits, 12% of the emergency hospital visits are people going into the emergency room because of a gastrointestinal issue. A third of the population is suffering from some sort of digestive stress on any given day. And 25% of those are subjected to either over-the-counter or pharmaceuticals every single day for some digestive issue. That means they have a compromised system. And that's why some people might gravitate to one type of diet because 
they've compromised themselves. They can't break down carbohydrates or maybe they can't break down fats or have, they're having trouble digesting their protein. So when they switch to this diet, they go, wow, it's amazing. But they never underdress the underlying concern. They've got leaky gut. They have low HCL. They don't have enough enzymes to break down their food or they've got a dysbiosis in their microbiome. Once you, once you address all of those issues, what's fascinating is people can do great on almost any different diet. Now, all of a sudden, when the digestive system can handle, digest, absorb, and utilize the food, convert it into energy and some building loss and not have undigested food in the stomach that's rotting and, and bleeding into their system, well, then they find that they, have, they become what we call metabolically flexible. And so I always suggest to people I could do well on almost any diet. And I have evidence to prove that. There's just ones I choose for my own personal reasons because I like it. It's easy. It's good for lifestyle. And that's why I'm always dietary agnostic. It's like, well, how do we optimize the diet that you like? And is that the right diet for you for what you want to achieve? On that note, let's shift into talking about supplements because you guys are experts in this area. And what, what I'm really keen to understand is because there's a question out there of what supplements should we be taking? How do we know? How many supplements do we really need to be? And I know that it's different for everybody, but is there a range? Actually, before we dive into that, I want to go on this digestion one. So if we're having trouble on one diet, for example, like you said, and then we think, well, those foods don't agree with us, so we shift to something else. Uh, but if you're saying that if we can address some underlying issues, is there supplements that we can take and specific enzymes that we can take and things that we can utilize to break down foods that do allow us to eat anything? And I was speaking to you about this yesterday when we were chatting. I just briefly mentioned it, that I did high fat, low carb for a while. And I was kind of lying to myself saying that it worked really well and ignoring the energy dips and the, the itches that I was getting and different things like that. And then got testing to show that I don't actually digest fats as well as I do with carbs. So shifting then back across away from the higher fat and having more of the really good carbs, still having good fats, but not relying on that as my main energy source. Are you saying that I could have specific digestive enzymes that allow me to digest fat and that'd be fine to still be on that diet? And my question to that is, if that's the case, what are the consequences there? So are we are we then hacking a system and ignoring longer-term consequences or does it just mean that we're producing enzymes and um, the hydrochloric acid within the body that allows it to do its job? Great, great question. And the answer to that is kind of multifaceted. And again, as I said, there's 10 doors we can go down, but let's just, the, the fundamental assumption that everybody makes is that their digestive system is working efficiently. Yet most of us that get to the age of 40 recognize that we can't eat the same foods that we could when we were 20 and get away with it. There's a different response to the body. Maybe your favorite foods don't sit well anymore. Maybe you gain weight faster. Maybe you feel not so healthy or you get sick more. Well, that's because the digestive system is compromised in a unique way. And we have witnessed patterns. So for example, um, people who suffer from conditions of depression or wake up with bad breath every morning and crusty eyes and brain fog often have an inability to digest protein. And that's because they lack the proteolytic enzymes inside the body uh, that makes it. And that might be because of genetic things. It might be because of early diets or a high meat consumption early in life, which burned out their, their proteolytic enzymes. Similarly, if you have trouble with blood sugar 
and that you're very sensitive. You crave a lot of sugar, but it doesn't process well. You gain a lot of weight. You're prone to type two diabetes. Oftentimes it's amylase, the enzyme that breaks down carbohydrates that you lack and don't produce. And again, when it comes to fats and I'm in this category, lipase was an enzyme that breaks down fats. There's different types of lipase. There's different types of amylase and there's different types of proteins. Protease breaks down protein, amylase breaks down carbohydrates, lipase breaks down fats. And what we found is that people who don't break down fats very well often can um, get developed nervous system issues and skin condition issues are often concordant. And sometimes you can trace it back that they took drugs for their skin conditions at an early age in puberty and stuff, or they got exposed to high levels of toxic chemicals that disrupted their uh, lipolytic enzymatic pathways. And so we've seen, because I've been in this game for 17 years, we start noticing patterns within people and we would apply the appropriate enzyme to their situation and suddenly the condition they've been suffering from for 10 years magically goes away. And that's because the body's genetics had the ability to, to process that food, but it was lacking the enzymes for a variety of reasons. Same reason why people today can't, many people today can't digest gluten because they, they lack dipeptidyl peptidase 4. People can't digest milk because they don't have lactase that breaks down. Like, and, you can, and they don't break down cellulase, so they need hemicellulase that breaks down plant people that can't eat plants. So you can actually start to see that almost every single dietary challenge has a correlative enzyme pathway that has been deactivated for some reason in the body. That may be a self-preservation method. It may be due to chemicalization or a, a, some sort of disruption in the enzymatic pathway, and that can be corrected uh, using enzymes, or it can be corrected by avoiding the foods that cause the inflammatory response. But we believe that if you optimize your health you should have an increased range in choices, not a decreased range in choices, which is commonly accepted in dietary practices and programs and protocols and through the people that advocate them. Brilliant. How much of the damage can we undo? And I guess that is dependent on what the damage is caused from. But, you know, I guess alcohol and drug use is going to have a different damage to, like you said, chemical exposure or mold exposure, for example, or if we were just... Uh, brought up on not great quality foods and, and our body just all of a sudden gets to that point where, like you said, it starts to not um, do its job so well. How much from your experience can you undo that damage to, to optimize people's lives based on giving the right enzymes and the right other supplements? Great question. And I, I love it because that paradigm is beginning to change and evolve quite radically. So what I would say is if you had asked me that question 20 years ago, most people would say, uh, once you get into DNA damage, that's very hard to reverse. And when, so usually what happens, and I'll kind of rate damage and how it goes in a, in a person's experiential, you'll, you'll start to experience um, maybe low energy, inability to sleep, skin conditions, brain fog, weight gain, kind of the common aesthetic aspects. I don't feel that good. I don't have a lot of energy or I feel low, like, you know, after a night of drinking. When you're 15, you wake up the next morning, go out running. When you're 25, you, you kind of feel lazy. When you're 35, you're hungover for two days. 
And that's directly correlated to the level of toxicity from that type of lifestyle and how many systems that you've impaired. Now, when the damage begins to impact the DNA that your replication starts to be altered significantly, it's then very hard to reverse that. However, Recent studies and recent demonstrations have showed with technological innovation, DNA repair is possible in addressing some of that at some point is, is applicable. Now we're getting to stem cells and exosomes, uh, neurological stimulation. They're growing nerve systems in people's bodies. They're growing new brain cells. They are changing, they're activating DNA repair nowadays. So What's possible now is radically different in 20 years and 20 years from now, it's going to be possible again. I personally believe that it is possible to reverse 80% of damage done if one has significant resources available. And to give you an example, I did an extensive amount of damage from my training and also from a, a period of prolific drug usage. And I was fortunate enough to discover that with Michael and was able to engage in massive enzyme therapy to the point I was taking a hundred enzymes a day because enzymes are their catalysts inside the body. Your total enzymatic capacity determines how much work you can do in the body. So I said, well, if I'm putting all the good stuff in and I'm loading up with more workers, considered a worker, enzymes and probiotics are the workers of the body. If I, if I take an extraordinary amount of proteolytic enzymes are these enzymes that I'm making. Maybe I can improve my repair. And certainly that's what happened. And my biomarkers caused a major reversal in a lot of my physiological systems. And also I recently got some brain tests back from 40 years of Zen. So I went six months ago and I went now in areas of my brain, which were not lighting up from whatever the reasons were, whether it was age or degeneration or damage from neurological uh, toxicity or whatever. Well, guess what? My brain is absolutely, without a doubt, working better now than it was six months ago. And I have undeniable proof with a neurologist that has looked at my brain and reversed that. And we're seeing that also with the NFL football players, what they're doing at Daniel Amen's clinic and concussions. And they're reversing these conditions, which weren't reversible before. So these are exciting fields. And then we're seeing all the stuff that's happening with stem cells. So it's fascinating uh, what's happening. So, and then, then there's also the in-between stage. If you look at hormone treatment, so a lot of people are aging, they want to have their vitality and their vibrancy and their sexual health and their hormones all crash for women and men. It's post-menopausal. There's menopause and menopause and they start using exogenous um, bioidentical hormones and their quality of life radically goes up. Now, are they going to live longer? I don't know. Is the quality of their life going to go up for a period of time? Yes. Is there potential consequences to it? Absolutely. There's always a trade-off. So you have to determine what's the trade-offs that you're willing to take for quality of life, performance, and the potential negative side effects. And that's an equation we're always trying to balance. What about for people listening who, if you don't have a lot of money to spend and go to all the extremes of doing all the major testing. 
But we know, like, we've got some of those signs and symptoms that you said there, less energy, irritability, skin issues, maybe mentally, um, like the anxiety or even just mental fogginess. What do you believe? What's the best way for people to find out, well, what are my insides doing? What's the, yeah. the test that you believe? I've done the, the P test for the organic acid test. I've done the fecal testing. Is there ways that we know that people can sort of fast track what's to look at inside or, um, yeah, what, what's your thoughts around that, around the testing aspects? Yeah. Well, I'll give you first things, even if you can't afford the testing, let's go to the bare bones. The best thing to do is stop whatever you're doing and start incorporating fasting into your life regularly. Number two, get the cleanest, purest water that you can and drink massive quantities of it. Number three, um, get into a breathing practice. It's very inexpensive. There's lots of proven technologies. You can alter anything through breath. So breathing, actually we do air, water, and exercise and get involved in some low cost exercise that you can do every day. And one of the best ways to recover if you don't have a lot of money is start walking 10 to 20 miles a day, drinking a lot of water and doing deep breathing. That right there will correct an incredible array of issues because most of the conditions you're suffering are, are, are from being sedentary. So, so if you say, I've got to do business calls, I got to, you know what? Pick up the phone, put on your headset, make the calls while you're walking 10 to 20 miles. And people go 10 to 20 miles a day. That's what the average human walked at the turn of the century. It's 10 to 20 miles a day. So do that. Deep breathing. Maybe you can't walk that long. Maybe you live in a place that you can't walk. It's not that easy. Get into uh, qi gong, get into pranayama, get into some meditation thing that you can alter that anxiety response by flipping yourself out of parasympathetic, excuse me, sympathetic nervous system into parasympathetic. So from fight or flight to rest and relax. Third thing, get the best quality water that you can. Spring water, highly filtered water. And then if you can, add very simple, your array of trace minerals is 84 different trace minerals and get your, your B's, your C's, your D's and stuff. I mean, we, we have a vitamin product that's like, it's 50 bucks to give you 102 servings of each one. It's liquid, it's fulvic, covers all of those things. 80% of the issues would be covered with those three things. You don't need a test. You don't need a coach. You don't need anything. You just need someone to make sure that you stay accountable and do that. When you want to go beyond that, that's correcting initial challenges. When you're looking at tests, I have a, a podcast with Dr. Paul Maximus, and he talks about the five tests that you should do. I think a spectrocell test is phenomenal. It tells you how well your body absorbs uh, given nutrients and, as well as what deficiencies are. So sometimes deficiencies happen because you have a biological pathway that doesn't absorb that nutrient even though you're taking it in excess. And that's a big thing that that's why the correlation between taking vitamins or minerals or supplements doesn't always translate into the person because they have an, a disrupted pathway. I think um, a genetics and epigenetic test, you can do them online 23andMe, although I would go with one of the private companies since you don't share your data. A good naturopathic doctor will be able to provide you insight into one of those. Um, what so you one don't would have be appropriate any, in Australia? 
Yeah. Okay. So you don't. Well, I, I did my I did mine on Genos, but unfortunately, they just closed down recently, so they didn't share your information. Where Twenty Three and Me sold it to a pharmaceutical company, and I have concerns about giving away my uh, my genetic data to externalized corporations that may or may not have my best interest in in order. So. Go, your ND will know of somebody that has private information where you can do a test and then you need someone to interpret it. Um, I think a DEXA scan uh, to look at your lean body mass, body tissue, bone density. These are great tests. I think a hormone test through a Dutch test. You can look at your hormone, resting cortisol, testosterone, your ratios between testosterone and estrogen, your precursor hormones, all that sort of stuff. That's a great test. I do that regularly to see where I'm at. Those are like kind of gold standard tests. And then there is um, the HOMO IR test, uh, which is a blood sugar to um, insulin. So it measures both blood sugar and insulin response in the body because they're not necessarily uh, tied to each other. And knowing both of those things will give you indicators because we're looking at what are the major causes of death? Cancer, heart disease, heart disease number one, cancer is number two, diabetes is number three, and death by uh, medical contraindications is number four. So people that have those three issues end up running into problems from the drugs they take from the doctor. So those are the four leading causes of death. So, um, and then there is, um, what's the, my brain just had a cramp right there. There is uh, a heart test. I have to look it up. Oh, if you go to episode 25, I think I have it down. I'll try try and remember what it is. But basically, it's, it measures the p- protein degradation of your heart. It's kind of the state-of-the-art test to see if you're uh, predisposition for heart disease. Mm. And it's fantastic. And so for myself, I know with my own self that uh, my blood, even though I'm a carbivore, my blood sugar insulin response rate is lower than most people on a ketogenic diet. Like my resting blood sugar levels is just perfect. I'll probably never have an issue with diabetes. Um, If I look at my uh, heart markers, no degeneration in the heart, heart strong, all that sort of stuff, that's great. Even though my father recently had a heart issue, we never imagined. Uh, Fortunately, that's not an issue for me. Now, my biggest risk factor would probably be cancer. That's one that comes in my family. So looking at uh, toxicity inside of the diet, because oftentimes toxicity is what causes DNA mutation. My sister died of cancer. Um, my grandmother died of cancer. My grandfather died of cancer uh, on one side. On the other side, it was heart disease. So we have to look at those markers. And so heart disease and cancer is more likely than diabetes in my family. So know what your genetics, your heritage in your family, putting those tests over it, managing your body fat levels so that you stay within those reasonable range because obesity just aggravates everything. And that's one of the biggest issues uh, inside uh, humans today. And those are going to be your baseline tests. And then you can get into a gut map as well. So you can do a, a GI test to look at your microbes. Uh, Viome is another one. The GI uh, testing mm. is another one. There's a variety of new tests. We're coming into the golden ages of uh, 
looking at our crap basically and, and what's in there and what's not in there and why that's so important for our functioning. So those are the ones that I go with. Do you suggest that people do test before they start taking any enzymes or yes. any supplements? Um, they can. Now the thing is with enzymes, almost everyone are going to produce positive effects on a high quality enzyme. And the reason for that is enzymes are naturally part of our diet. I have a big issue with how we've defined food. Food for every other, every other animal species eats its food in a raw enzymatically rich state. Humans are the only group of people that cook its food. We either pasteurize it, we irradiate it, or we cook it. Anytime you take the temperature over 114 degrees, you destroy all the enzymes in that food. And they do this so that it stays on the shelf longer and doesn't rot in the store shelf. So we don't get our food fresh. We don't get our food enzymes rich. And the other thing about that is we also would get the bacteria associated with that food because the bacteria that's associated with that food comes with that food and we would eat that and ingest it. And we need these bacteria because it's a symbiotic relationship between these bacteria. Well, with our highly antiseptic world, we don't get that bacteria either. And so what's fascinating is the unintended consequences of technological innovation and hyper uh, antibacterial mentality, which obviously had positive results in its early stages and to a certain point, but we got hyper-focused on that. We got hyper-focused on trying to eradicate all damaging pathogens. Now we have super bacteria that don't respond to antibiotics in hospitals. So hospitals is one of the most dangerous places you can go. And, and, and now everybody's running around washing their hands with all these antibiotics and destroying their microbiome and being put in their houses and not exchanging because we're, we're supposed to exchange with other people's biome that builds our immune system. We're actually compromising our immune system. And my prediction is when all these lockdowns end eventually, we've actually set people up for a bigger uh, damaging response from the next flu season or the next viral infection. And I, I think it's very short sighted by our uh, professional class. And, and obviously they've been, they've been editing out people and, very, very sophisticated people in microbiology and virology are being canceled out because it doesn't fit the general narrative. So That's I think for us in the health field, <laughs> it is, we, we really need to be recognizing that there are forces that are trying to set up the narrative that they've already created and the data that they're using to use their mitigation is very suspect. And if you trace the money, you follow the money, you dive down deep enough. So I know that was a long answer to the enzyme equation, but I think for most people, enzymes and probiotics uh, are going to be a beneficial, but you're going to have to experiment which ones are right for you. That being said, um, there's two ways to do it. You can start down that pathway. Ideally, in a perfect world, you would do those five tests, get your results, look at where you're at, and then start targeting the nutrition that you needed specifically for you. Uh, it'll cost you about $2,000 probably to do all those tests. Uh, but now you know exactly where you're at. And so if you're spending money on your nutrition, um, guess what? You're going to get more value out of the nutrition because we speak in generalities on podcasts and all these things just because we can't get into Two, two specifics because everybody there's a variance within the population but now you're going to know exactly what you need 
and you're going to have someone who's running those tests, a good naturopathic doctor is going to say, hey, let's, let's attack this thing first. This is the biggest thing that we need to work on. Mm-hmm. Once we get that corrected, then we can move to the next thing in a systemic or systematic way. And that's what I learned in bodybuilding. Hey, I was standing there. I looked, hey, my chest isn't up to par. My arms aren't up to par. What do I do? I design an exercise program that emphasizes focusing on that and not on maybe the parts that were my strength. My back was my strength. My legs was my strength. So now I need to work on the other points to bring out balance in the body uh, that I want to achieve total holistic health. And so that old school bodybuilding has made me kind of look at uh, biological optimization almost the same way. And when you put a price point on it, people might say, oh, that's too much. I always say to people, you can't put a price on your health. Your health is your wealth. If you're not willing to invest into your health in that way, then you're not willing to actually, you know, take the steps and be brutally honest with yourself and, and analyze and see where you're at and where you want to be. So I don't think that a price point like that is something that anyone should balk at. They should be proud that they can, um, everyone's in a different financial situation, but proud that we live in a world where we can do those kind of testings to see exactly what we need to do and the changes we need to make. It's all quite overwhelming, but when you narrow it down like that and say, find your naturopathic doctor, your functional medicine practitioner who can help you with these tests and, and enjoy the journey. I, I've invested thousands and thousands of dollars in in tests and nutritional changes and things like that because, like you said, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, or it works for a period of time, and, and I'm happy to do that because when I'm 110, I'm running and I'm feeling freaking awesome every day in between. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, somebody was asking me not that long ago, like, how much money have you spent on your body? And I, I, I estimate it's somewhere between five hundred dollars and $750,000. Wow. And... And people go, why would you spend that much money on your body? I'm like, well, how much did your house cost? Mm. Now you can live in a lot of different houses. You can rent a house. You can buy a house. You can build a house. You can't do that with your physicality. You can't rent a body. You can't buy a body. You can't squat on a body and take it over, you know? You can't live in a tent. You're stuck with this thing if you want to experience three-dimensional reality. And your quality of life is directly correlated with your ability to be cognizant, aware, and your ability to express. You can have comprom- You can be severely compromised physically. You could have... You could be in a wheelchair, you could be paralyzed, you might have severe dysfunctions, but you can still practice those health techniques, which will improve and activate and make your brain and your, your cognitive function very, very well, because it's not having these disruptors. And by doing that, your experience of reality is going to be significantly enhanced, so much so that not only is it worth it, I think it's the best way to spend your money. And I've given up many things in life. I didn't have a car for 15 years. Uh, I didn't own any homes or anything like that. I invested in me. I invested in my body. I invested in my mind. I invested in my spirit. And, you know, I'm in my middle age now. And I feel like I'm just getting going. I feel like life is, you know, where where many of my friends and, and, and people that I grew up with are, deep in the downward slide 
in all areas of their life, trying to make it to retirement, I'm like taking on new projects. I'm feeling invigorated. I'm, I've got more joy in my life than ever before. And now I see that all those investments early on that everybody questioned are paying off in a higher quality of life and a better physiological experience. That's why I'm so passionate about bioptimizers. That's why I'm so passionate about advocating these things to people. Because not only do they work for the long term, but they can radically alter the trajectory of your life and the quality of your life and over the next 10, 20, 30 years, even if you've never done this before. And that's why I think it's our duty and our responsibility as humans under the current circumstances to provide these possibilities and technology. And to answer one other piece to your question, and if you don't have the money to do this, um, what I'm going to suggest, and this is, this is a brutal truth, but I'm an old coach and that's how I like to hear it. You need to find a way to make more money. The forces that are working against human biology right now, testosterone levels in men right now at every age are down an average of 30%. The average 30-year-old today has the testosterone levels of a 70-year-old man in the 1970s. That's the average. Okay? High levels of estrogen are so prolific that one in 10 male babies are being born with micropenis right? The inability to procreate at all. And it's happening across species across the world due to the estrogenization of plastics inside our water and our food supply and everything else. It's highly damaging. We've got um, the massive rise of uh, fertility clinics because people can't get pregnant. But people aren't saying, well, this is a normal thing. No, it's a, not a normal thing because the body has become so toxic, disrupted, and dysfunctional. Biological systems have said, you know what? We're not reproducing you anymore. We have uh, less than one in a hundred people are born with, uh, one in every hundred people now are born with some form of severely compromised genetic condition. This is up 10,000 times from two generations ago with the proliferation of chemicalization of society. So we are here talking on Skype across the world because of the technological innovations of a great group of people who make massive inroads in the worlds of science and technology. And that's been a great thing and we benefit from it. I believe it is our moral and our ethical duty to the generations to come to reverse the and, 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 and even optimize the conditions that we're living in as humans so that the generations to come, two generations, five generations, a hundred generations from now, are able to do so in a way to experience this reality as well. And certainly, I hope, a lot better than we are currently this day. And I think that's my responsibility and my mission to not just this generation, but the generations to come in the future. Brilliantly said. I was actually going to say to you that this saying behind me right here that I love, that I know you also love, is be the change that you want to see in the world. And I was going to ask, what's the change you want to see in the world that you are being? But you just wrapped it up beautifully right there. Wade, I'm very uh, aware of time. We could stay on here all day, but I'm noticing your background. It's getting a little bit dark where you are. So we'll, we'll start to wrap it up here. But for everyone else that's listening, where can they find out more? Because I know... You know, that I, what I say to people when I speak, and you've done exactly this, is I hope I raise more questions than answers. 
and I hope people start to ask different questions. They're going to want to find out more about you, about bioptimizers and what they can do. So where do we find, where's the best place to find you guys online? Yeah, thank you so much for that. And so if you go to uh, bioptimizers.com life impact, you will be able to access, I have a 12 week uh, course called Double Your Energy. It's a 12 week awesome course where it's five to 15 minute videos where you can learn all of the things I talk about. I don't just share like, hey, I invented all this. No, I just put all these things in one place that you can kind of mix and match or go through the entire course where I go into where I found this, how do I do this, and how do I apply this on a daily basis in a 15-minute-a-day routine as the starter. It's great. And I, I cover all of those things. And if you do this, your health is guaranteed to improve your energy, improve your vitality, improve, and I give it away for free as part of my mission. And my hope is that you'll share it, you'll apply it, and you'll utilize it and just learn something. Um, and then, of course, if you use that link, um, you, and you can also get uh, a discount on any of our products. It's bioptimizers.com, Life Impact, put Life Impact 10, and you'll get a 10% discount. Every product that we offer has a 365-day money-back guarantee. So in other words, if you try it, you don't like it, doesn't blow you away. You're not super impressed and amazed. Just tell us and we'll give you all your money back. We teach you how to use it. We show you how to do it, all that sort of stuff. It's easy, simple, fast, no problem. We love doing it. That's our mission. We want to de-risk everything that we do. The other thing I'd also say is that we advocate for other companies. Um, our philosophy is we either make something in best in class, first in class or best in class. We're either, no one's ever made a product like this or we make the best product in that class. But if there's a product that I already know of, that somebody makes, I say, hey, go see Bob's whatever and buy that from Bob because he figured this out. And I, I really like that. And, and we refer to a lot of people. So then you can find us on Instagram and Facebook and all those things uh, at Bioptimizers and, and follow along if, if, that's your, if that's your jam or listen to the Awesome Health Podcast. Um, awesome which is each and every week. All that's available on the website. Yeah, yeah that's another one. So I'll, I'll link all that in the You're on the other day. So you're <laughs> coming out on that. <laughs> yes. And thank you for the discount too. I, didn't re I wasn't aware you guys were going to do that. So thank you. I'll link all that in the show notes. And for everyone listening, uh, Wade sent me a gift pack for going onto his show and a lot of the products and it's been amazing. And like I said to you yesterday, I'm a little bit overwhelmed. Where do I start? And you guys are 10 steps ahead. So your answer was, I've created videos for that. We've created PDFs for that. All you need to do is go on the website. So that's what I love because like I said earlier, it's such an overwhelming space and the more clarity that people can have with the guidance from people like yourself then the more impact that you're going to have, the more that the people are actually going to be able to take steps to improve their health and well-being. So thank you so much for that. My pleasure. And it's a great thing. And thank you for having me. You're doing great work in the world. And you're just such a, an awesome experience of the gratitude program that you've engaged. And I, I really love being here. And of course, again, for those listening, um, one, of the t one of the things we talk about is assembling your Jedi Council getting the people that can give you the insight from outside of yourself that will provide you the direction that you need to will help eliminate the confusion that might be experienced from all this information and get you on the road to application. That's the whole power of coaching. I know you offer coaching, so they need to pick up the phone, reach out an email, carry your pigeon, get a hold of you, get some guidance, get some coaching, and I think they'll be on the right path. Wade, you're a legend. You've dedicated your life to proving various ways that we can reverse our biological clock 
and you're a living, breathing example of this. You are being the change that you want to see in the world. Keep shining your impactful and bio-optimized light to the world, my man. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Boom. What a knowledgeable legend. I could have spoken to Wade for hours. I was prepared to dive into gut health and the gut-brain connection, mental health related to nutrition and many other areas that I had all these notes ready to go everywhere, but that 65 minutes just flew. I'd love to hear from you if you want to hear more from Wade on anything about nutrition and human performance, and we can get him back on the show if you're interested. So shoot me an email at info at brettrobbo.com or send me a message on social media. Be sure to check out your discount as podcast listeners that Wade spoke about. So you can find it in the show notes to this episode. It's buyoptimizers.com forward slash life impact and life impact 10 for the discount code. And once again, that'll be in the, the show notes for you to click on directly if you forget that or spell it with an S like I did instead of a Z. <laughs> Wade also has a great podcast called Awesome Health Podcast that we spoke about in this chat and I highly recommend you listen to it to learn an abundance of value about health well beyond what we were able to cover in this episode. The episode that Wade was referring to about the five recommended tests, so that's in his podcast on episode number 25. And you can find the Awesome Health Podcast on all the podcast players, wherever you're listening to your podcast. Okay, over and out from me, Legends, and remember to reach out with any questions about this episode or let me know if you want to hear Wade again or let me know what other guests you'd love to hear from on this show. And as always, remember, this is your life journey, your life of impact.